All right, turn the Bibles to Psalm 134. This is the last psalm of ascent we've been looking at for some weeks now. The psalms of ascent, there were 15 of them, starting in Psalm 120. This is the last one. It's only three verses. Psalm 134. Behold, bless, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord by all his benefits. David was saying, with all my soul, I want to bless the Lord. And as I bless the Lord, I'm not going to forget His benefits. That means His goodness. In particular, His goodness to you. I'm going to bless the Lord with all my soul, and I'm not going to forget how good God's been to me. Let's look at it for a minute, for a minute from God's perspective. It is God watching you worship, and God seeing you desire from the depths of your soul bless Him. You desiring to praise Him. You desiring to give glory to His name. You desiring to be thankful to Him. That's an easy one, isn't it? For most of you, your mama taught you how to do that. If somebody does something good to you or good for you, the least you could do is say, I'm thank you. I'm thankful. How often do you tell God you love Him? I've learned a long time ago as a preacher that it's good for me every now and then, Ronnie, to tell the congregation God loves you. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to express it and repeat it and describe it and just to tell people they, they already know it when they came. You've grown adults. You've been in church for a long time. But something's good about me just preaching and saying how much God loves you. Amen? Well, think about it from God's perspective. Do you tell God you love Him? Do you come to church just to hear how much God loves you, or do you come to church to tell God how much you love Him? Do you come here and declare from the depths of your soul, as David cried out, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. The word bless the Lord literally means to bend your knee. It literally means to bow your knee. It means to get down on your knees. We have chairs here at our church and somebody recently offered to give us some pews in which I, I, I declined pretty quickly because it doesn't really fit our organizational structure here. But did you know that there are some old pews that had what they called kneeling benches on the back of them? You ever seen those? It was the pad was the ones I've seen. The pad was more emphasized on the kneeling bench than on the part you sit on, because it was common in the service for people to get down on their knees at some point before God, to literally and physically get down on their knees before God. And so, if you're going to bless the Lord. The words literally meaning bow the knee or bend the knee, they got to have something to do with humility. They have to have something to do with honor before a holy God. But more importantly, if you're going to bow the knee to the living God, it has to have something to do with submission. Something to do with surrender. If you're going to bless God, 
In your heart, you've got to be submissive to Him. If you're going to bless God, in your heart, you have to declare to God, I surrender all. We've been singing that song again here recently, ever so often. And I love it because it is a song to God declaring, I surrender everything to you today, God. And if Sunday's good for anything else, it's good for that. You might not have been so surrendered yesterday. You might not have been so surrendered on Wednesday, but come Sunday, you better come to this church knowing that there is an expectation when you come here that God expects you to surrender to Him afresh, anew, fully, totally, unreservedly. Dear God in heaven with all my soul, I want to bless you means I surrender all to you, O Lord. If you're going to worship, that's the way you worship. It's not about you just feeling something. It's about you deciding something. And what you're deciding is, I surrender all to you. How much so, Lord? How much so do I surrender all? This much. If I need to, God, I'll get down on my knees. I'll get down on my knees to prove how much I surrender to you. I have an office in my house where I study and where I pray. And I'll often be studying and I'll, I'll get to a point where I, I can't really go any further. I'm like, Lord... I don't know what this means. I don't know how to preach this. I don't know how to get this across. And I'll get up from my desk and I have this place right there in front of my desk where I literally get down on my knees and I just turn it all over the Lord. And I say, Lord, it's, it's yours. There's a submission in bending the knee. He says in verse 1, Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. He calls them servants because this is a reference, I think, primarily to the priests and the Levites. This psalm would be a direct word to the priests and the Levites who are serving the Lord, who, he goes on to say, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. That means that they serve God around the clock, and so it would be a direct word, most likely, to those priests and Levites whose whose very creation by their birth and, and how they were born into that particular family meant this is what you're going to do all your life. This is who you're going to be all your life. You're going to serve God in His house from now on. And the Bible discusses frequently uh, how to do this and, and what this looks like for the priests and for the Levites. And the Bible also discusses what this looks like for kings because God made some people to be kings. But God didn't make all of us to be priests and God didn't make all of us to be kings, did he? So what did He make you to be? What is a biblical role that He made you to have? It's, it's not primarily your job. It's not primarily what you do for a living. That's just how you eat. Go back to Bible days. That's just how you eat. It's primarily He made you a husband. He made you a wife. Maybe He made you a child. Maybe He made you a parent. These are the biblical roles that the Bible discusses and shows us clearly what you're to do and who you're to be. And in those roles, you are to do them, as verse 1 says, serving the Lord. As unto the Lord is what that means. When you are on bended knee, blessing the Lord, what you're declaring there is, Lord, I will serve you in the role that you've made me to be in. That means, if I'm a husband, I'm going to be the, the best husband, husband I can be. Not because my wife deserves it, but because I'm trying to bless the Lord. I'm going to be the best wife you can be, not because your husband deserves it, but because you're trying to bless the Lord. You're going to be the best parent you can be, not because 
Your children deserve it because that's how you're going to bless the Lord. That's how you cry out to God and say, Lord, I know you made me a husband or Lord, I know you made me a parent. And so now I'm going to bless you by trying to be what you made me to be. Serve the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 135, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord. He goes on in verse 1 and says, All you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Even at night, they stand in the house of the Lord. Notice the word stand. Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 7, Then he may serve in the name of the Lord his God as all his brothers, the Levites do, who stand before the Lord. It was understood in Old Testament days that the priests and the Levites stood all day in the house of the Lord. But here in particular it talks about those who would do so even through the night watch. They're standing. King Hezekiah in his reign said to his priests and Levites in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, My sons, do not neglect, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister him to him and burn incense. We've studied the temple when we were going through the book of Deuteronomy, and here's what we learned. There are no chairs in the temple. For the spectators, there are no chairs in the temple for the priests, and there are no chairs in the temple for the Levites. There's only one chair in the house of God, and that was the mercy seat. That was God's seat in the Holy of Holies. Let's, let's just think like that for a minute. If we're going to set up in the new worship area back there in the back, what if we just don't have any chairs? You can either stand or you can bow. Not saying we're going to do that, so you just don't quit coming on. But that's the way it was. You either could stand in God's house, or you could bow in God's house. The priests and the Levites were to stand around the clock all into the night. It says there, you who stand in the night watch in the house of the Lord. Every priest stands all day standing in the temple. All day serving God, making offerings, making sacrifices. They get so tired. Some of you have jobs like this where you stand all day. You get so tired of being on your feet. You better have some comfortable shoes. You get so tired of standing. And these priests and Levites must have gotten that way. They were just finished with one worshiper helping him make his sacrifices. And they just want to leave the house of God so they can sit down a minute. But here comes another worshiper with another lamb to be offered and sacrificed before the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12 says, Every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, that is, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down. Because He did what needed to be done that could last eternally. He washed you from your sins. When it says, All you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord, it is a reference to doing something at night. That is, doing something when no one's looking. In the temple 
per se, this would have meant to, to do something actually when nobody else is there. If you're going to bless the Lord, it has to encompass the time of your day when nobody's watching. If you're going to bless the Lord, it has to not just be public, it has to encompass those seasons of the night of your life when nobody's around and nobody's watching. When the day is over and the people have gone, the priests and the Levites were to continue to bless the Lord all through the night. They were to carry on this worship in God's house when all the other people had gone home. And if we're ever going to experience real worship in this church, in this house, it's going to happen when the people who come here have learned to worship God in their private time before they get to the public time. If we're ever going to experience the move of God in this place, I'm talking the fullness of the presence of God. We can talk about Pentecostal. We can talk about holiness. We can talk about a lot of other denominations. But I'm going to go on record today and declare something to you. I don't care about all those denominations and all those doctrines and all with and what and what does it mean. But I do care about this. When we come to the Lord's house, I want the Lord to show up. I want His presence to be known. And the way that happens... And when that's going to happen is when the people of a particular church learn how to worship God in their private lives. That's when they're going to be able to experience the worship God in their public lives. That is in their church day, in their celebration day on Sunday. And nobody's looking. I remember a story in the Bible about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, they had been arrested. They had been beaten. They had been put in jail. And then they were chained. That's a lot, isn't it? Arrested, beaten, put in prison, and chained. And Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says this, And about midnight, they were praying and singing praises to God. About midnight. That's, that's in the night time, if y'all don't know that. <laughs> who by not staying in the house of the Lord, blessing the Lord, Paul and Silas, who had been arrested and beaten and put in jail and chained, in the night time, they decide it's time to sing. And it's time to praise God. You know what that means? God is good even when your circumstances are not good. God is to be blessed even when your circumstances don't feel like God's blessing you. Even in the midnight of your life, the hardest time of your life, God is to be blessed. You are to rear back and declare how good He is. Be willing to get down on your knees and to surrender to Him and say, God, how good you are even in the midnight time of your life when it's dark and it's hard and things aren't going well and you're suffering and you're afflicted and you're hurting. That's when it is time to bless God. I want to challenge you today and say this. Just try it. Next time you're suffering, 
Just try that. Just try getting on your knees and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't like what's going on. But I'm on my knees today to say, I surrender to you, Lord, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to bless you, even though this hurts real bad. Just try it. Can you bless God? Even when it's the night time, the hardest time, the most afflicted, hurting time of your life, and you bless him then. That's what he's saying to do in Psalm 134. He's saying, Behold, I want you to see this. Behold, I want you to bless God even in the night time. And you're on the night watch. Verse 2. He says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Everybody lift your hands. We're getting real spiritual in here today. Alright, I'll wave a little bit. Don't be, don't be scared. Alright, there you go. You can do it. There was a time in my life, even though I was a preacher, when you would not have caught me raising my hand in God's house. Because I decided as a young man and as a preacher, that's just not who I am. If you know me, you know that somewhat that's true. And even in a ball game situation, which you know how much I love ball, I rarely get real excited. I mean, I get excited, but I, I'm not like my wife over there. You know? <laughs> I, I don't even like to sit beside her. True. I don't even like to sit beside her at these games when I think she's going to get real excited. She might hurt me because she goes to flailing. She's definitely going to hurt my eardrums because she gets real loud. And that's not who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm quieter. But I've learned as I've matured in the Lord that there's some things that are just right. And to hang your hat on it and say that's just not who I am about some things is just not right. Says, in God's house, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. In verse 20, he's saying, bless the Lord with your mouth and with your posture by getting down on your knees, even be servants of the Lord even in the nighttime. But in verse 2, he's saying, bless the Lord with your hands. Lift your hands in the, in the, in the Lord's house, in verse 2, and bless the Lord like that. Psalm 141, verse 2, it says, let me... Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 in the New Testament, it says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It says men, prayer, we get that. I heard messages on that, but you've not heard this. Lifting up holy hands. doesn't even say women there. I don't think it means women can't do it, but I don't know about you, but it's been my experience it's usually women who do that in church. Where are the men? I've seen grown men on roller coasters hold both hands up like this. I didn't understand what that meant. So one time I was on a roller coaster and I thought, well, I've seen everybody else do that. I'm going to try it, which I'm not a real fan of roller coasters anyway. And I tried it and I blacked 
woke up later, my hands were down. They were blown. I've seen men raise up their hands at sporting events, but it's usually the women in church that lift their hands. Do our men think we're too good for that? We don't need to show that kind of thing. I want you to know it would be good for your children to see you sometimes, men, lift your hand up to the Lord and bless the Lord. It says, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. In Psalm chapter 28, verse 2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward you, toward your holy sanctuary. I'm going to give you three I don't know what to call them, rules or three things about lifting hands in God's house. First of all, it's a necessary physical gesture. Necessary physical gesture. I told you the story about the night that I thought she might die when she was going through cancer. and picked her up in my arms and I took her and put her in the car. I was in a rush to get her to the, the hospital. So they could help her. She was so weak. I was going a little bit faster than the law says. And I was at one point on the interstate needing to get in. And you've been in a situation where it didn't used to be so hard in North Carolina to get in when you need to get in in front of another car, but it's getting harder all the time. And I mean, I've been to other places like Washington, D.C. and New York City and drove a car there. And it's it's real hard to get somebody to let you get in, but it's getting harder in North Carolina, and I'm driving Cindy to the hospital. I've got great concern all over me, and I'm wondering if she's going to make it till I get there. I mean, this is real, folks, and I need to get in in front of this car, and this car, I, I, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, make them let me in. And this car bowed up and let me squeeze in in front of me. Now, when they did that, it was so precious to me. It was so meaningful to me. It was such a need that I had that I could, I could roll up, open my back window in my truck. I have a button. I push the button and roll open the back window, and I start waving like this because I want them to be able to see me and not the tinted of my window, you know. And then I thought, that's not enough. I want more than this, and I roll down my side window next to me, and I stick my hand out the window and I'm pointing and I'm waving because it is necessary for me to declare with a physical gesture what they just did for me by letting me in. Don't know them, probably won't ever see them again. But when you appreciate something, it is the least you can do to give a physical gesture of recognition. When I play basketball, if you've ever played with me, if you make a good pass, or you make a good shot, I'll point it. And, and I'll run back down the court pointing at you. I don't say anything. I don't yell anything. I just point at you. I'm making a physical gesture to say that was a good shot. We needed that. Or that was a good pass. We needed that. And sometimes in the Lord's house, God will give you what you need in the exact moment you need it, 
Maybe it's the truth of the Word of God and the message. Maybe it's the truth of the song that we're singing. And it is necessary for you to raise your hand and give God recognition that God just gave you what you need. Number two is a gesture of recognition. It's like recognizing somebody's presence. If I see Ronnie in the grocery store, which why I don't see you in the grocery store much. There's probably a reason for that. It's probably I'm not there often and you're not there often either. But if I did see Ronnie in the grocery store, I would probably just lift my hand from from aisles away. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get out of there, Ronnie. I'm not going to waste my time coming to see you and see what's in your buggy and show you what's in my buggy and talk and talk and talk. I'm just going to lift my hand in recognition and I'm going to keep on my business and try to find whatever she sent me to find and get out of there as fast as I can. Sometimes in church, God will show himself to you. you got to know this. God doesn't show Himself to everybody every Sunday. He doesn't show Himself to you every Sunday. But there are those sweet, precious, precious occasions when you can be so aware of the presence of God on your soul. And it's, it's good, isn't it? It's a sweet thing. And sometimes when that happens, just a, a gesture of recognition, Hey, I see you, Lord. And you just bless my soul. And I want to bless you. Hey, Lord. Hey. It's, it's good, Lord. The third thing is a gesture of praise. When God ministers to you, if he's going to minister to you and it's going to be him, it's going to, it's going to be from the Word, through the Word, in agreement with the Word. It's going to be the truth of God. When God's truth ministers to you, lift your hand and praise him. Is what it's talking about here. It says, bless the Lord by lifting up your hands. To give a lifted hand to say, Lord, that's the truth. That's what the word amen means. Amen means that's the truth. But instead of saying amen, I, I listened to somebody preach two weeks ago and there, there was so much amen going on. I couldn't hear him preach. It, 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 was, it was bothering me. You know, I've cried for amens all my life. Y'all know that? I've cried. Baby. <laughs> but this church was amen and stuff that didn't even need to be amen. You know, it's like, it's like sound guy, I think. If the battery is weak on my mic. Amen. <laughs> Just amen. Come on. There's the church that amens something whether it needs it or not. And they're just begging for somebody to preach. There's the church where the preacher's preaching is a little hard out. Been with God all week. Pouring the food in the trough. <laughs> He's been walking with Jesus all week and he's pouring his heart out before the Lord and the Lord's using took, took him as a tool in his hand. Maybe nothing more than a microphone. Delivering the mail through this poor little 
organized dust being, and he just wants somebody to be with him. Somebody to at least go clear their voice or something so he thinks you're awake and they're with you. And then there's the church that has both. The people so want to hear from God, the preacher so big with God, it's an experience where God speaks and God moves and God works. And the truth is being proclaimed. And a raised hand It's not a praise to the preacher or a praise to the singer. A praise to God. A gesture of praise. He says in verse 2, he says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. That's what my version says. I use the New King James Version in the sanctuary. Some of your versions say in the house of the Lord. But literally what that word sanctuary means, literally it means the holy place. That is in the Holy of Holies. It means lift up your hands to bless the Lord in the Holy Place. In the Holy of Holies. Now you know they didn't get to go in there, don't you? Remember that? They During this time, they didn't get to go into the Holy of Holies, that place where the Shekinah glory presence of God dwelled. They didn't get to experience that like you do. They didn't get to know that movement of the Spirit upon their heart like you do. They had to believe it by faith. They didn't get to go into the Holy of Holies and lift their hands. Only the high priest could do that. and Only he could do that once, one time a year when he brought the blood of the sacrifice in there for the sins of the people. But you remember the story that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says when it turned dark and the rocks shook and the earth quaked, it says at that same time in the temple over there in Jerusalem, from the top to the bottom, that three foot thick veil that hid, that hid them from the Holy of Holies began to tear at the top and tore all the way to the bottom until it was separated, not saying now you can come into the presence of God, but saying now the presence of God is released to come upon you. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? I remember where I was as a, as a young Christian the first time when I heard that preached right there. I remember where I was sitting. I remember the pew I was sitting on, the church I was sitting in. The first time I heard a message about how my body became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I now can experience the move of God, the experience of the presence of God in my life. And I was, I was broken there, I must say. I was learning that I have the Holy Spirit in me just like that godly man over there that I respect so much. I was learning that I have the same Holy Spirit in me just like somebody like Billy Graham has in, had in him. I have all the Holy Spirit in me and so do you if you're, if you're a Christian because our body becomes the presence of the living God is, is dwelling in us. We are now uh, like that holy place where God comes to dwell inside of you. And Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you experience Him bearing witness with your spirit that you are God's child, it is good. It's always good, but especially when you've been in sin and you don't feel worthy and you don't even feel worthy to come to church. 
You don't feel loved by God. You don't feel kept by God. And you sure don't feel blessed by God. And then here comes His Spirit. And His Spirit bears witness with my Spirit. And here's what that says to me. He has not left me. He has not left me. As rotten as I've been. And it is good. I'm not asking you today to dance like David danced when he experienced God's presence. You remember that? He experienced God's presence. He brought the ark on him. He got there and danced in his underpants and made a, made a sock, made a scene. His wife complained about it. I'm not asking you to dance like David danced, but the Bible is talking here about if you're going to bless the Lord, you'll be willing to lift your hands. I'm not asking you to dance like David danced, but if you're going to bless the Lord, there are times in your life in the church house of the Lord and in your private times when you're going you're gonna to need to recognize the presence of God and it's going to require a gesture, a physical gesture of recognition by you where you would lift your hand before a holy God and say, I see you, Lord. I know you're here today. Hey! I see you, Lord. Sometimes God's presence requires a physical gesture of praise from you. I'm not saying you got to shout amen. I'm not begging for those of you who I decided that a long time ago. I quit begging if you didn't notice that. I accidentally did it once today. I'm sorry for it. When, when a preacher's begging for amen, he said, he says something. He says, hey, God is good. Amen. That's all he does. He just he's trying to that's begging. I did it once earlier in the message. And I caught myself and I said, John, don't do that again. Don't be a beggar today and beg for amen. And so I'm not doing that. I'm not telling you to say you it. But I'm preaching the word of God that says if you're going to bless God, there's going to be a physical gesture of praise where sometimes when the truth blesses your soul and the truth is truth from God to you, you needed that truth that day. It will require you to lift your hand and praise God. You're saying, I praise you, Lord. That's the truth. Verse 3. The first two verses are talking about us blessing God. The third verse is talking about God blessing you. God's blessing you. Look at it. It says, The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Uh, to bless you from Zion is a reference because we know we've been studying the songs of Sid. It's like saying, The Lord bless you in his house. That's what it's like to say. It's like, you finally got up the mountain to Jerusalem, up the mountain of Mount Zion. You finally walked into the temple of the living God, and it's here in God's house. He's going to bless you. But that's also in Zion, if you know the Bible, it's a picture of heaven. It's, just, it's a reference to heaven from Zion. It's like saying from heaven. He's going to bless you from heaven. I'm going to put them together. He's going to bless you in his house from heaven. That's what he's going to do. It says in verse 3 that he is the one who made heaven and earth. He is the creator, that is, the creator of heaven and earth. And the problem with our blessing is we, we want to take our blessing in, and, and I'm talking about from God now. You want to take your blessing from God and you want to make it what you want it to be. You have an idea of what it would look like if God blessed you. You have an idea of when it would come if God blessed you. And you have an idea of, of what that blessing would be. But, but your hands are not asked to be in this part. 
Your hands were asked to be in the first part where you're blessing God, but when it comes to God blessing you, you're to keep your hands out of it. It's His holy, righteous decision as the one who's the creator of heaven and earth. And you need to remember some things. If He made it, He can fix it. If He made it, then there are things that you may need in your blessing that He can make now. If He made all the heavens and all the earth, when it comes time to bless you, if there's something that He needs to bless you with, He can make it. <laughs> he can bring it out of nowhere. Things can look hopeless. Things can look helpless. Things can look like God's never going to give you the blessing you need. And God's the creator of heaven and the creator of earth. And He can sure create your little old blessing. As big as it is, as hard as it is, as much as you finally got to the place where you realize you better take your hands out of it because you can't do it anyway. You need to remember He's the Creator and what you need is to get your hands out of it and get His hands in on it because He can make it happen when He wants it to happen. And then He sends heaven down to His house. That's what blessing is. He sends heaven, a glimpse of heaven, into His house. If He is the Creator... He can surely carry you and your blessing. You ever seen these little children under like, like about a two-year-old? Like Weston. Or Zeke. Zeke's not here today. The youngest of the first nighters, not the girl, but the boy. The, the little aged child who's not been walking very long. Just a little while. And you take him somewhere. And you walk all day, like say you took them to the state fair, and you don't take the stroll. Y'all parents are ruining with the stroll. Make them walk. Good, come on. Make them walk. And you made them walk. That two-year-old walked and walked. Got so tired. So weary. Been a little trooper, you know. That's what we say. We're proud of it. He's walked so far. Been a little trooper. But that little young man gets to where he just can't go any further. And he runs to his daddy. See, it happen. He runs to his daddy. He don't need to say anything. He don't need to cry. Maybe, maybe he can't even speak yet. But he knows what he needs to do. <laughs> and any of you men, as I know you, to be the great men that you are. The great fathers that you are. What would we do? We don't need to say anything either. We would just reach down and pick that little boy up and take him in our hands and carry him the rest of the way. You want the blessing of God? You need to quit trying to make it happen. I remember one night, I wasn't living where I live now, I was living in another place. And I got to the point where I had cried so much, been weary so much, been tired so much, I went outside the back of my house. I lifted my hands to the heavens, 
And I say, God, I can't do it. I can't make it happen. And I can't take it anymore. And what I was saying is, God, you got to carry me. You know, some of you will never get the blessing of God till you get to that point. You know that? You'll never receive God's best for your life till you get to that point. You might say, why am I going through what I'm going through? It may be that God's letting you go through what you're going through so you'll get so tired that you'll turn back to Him and put all your trust in Him. And it's in that moment that your blessing will begin. Not until. If He's the Creator, He can surely carry you. If He's the Creator, He knows how to bless you. The bless in verse 42 is plural. The bless in verse 3 is singular. In other words, in verse 3 when it says, The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion, it is a personal singular word directed to individuals. It means that God is blessing you personally. It means that God knows how to bless you personally. He might be blessing me different than He blesses you. And my blessing might be different than your blessing, but the point is in verse 3, this is not a corporate blessing. This is not a church-wide blessing. It is a personal blessing. And He knows how to bless you. But sometimes before God will bless you, He has to change your understanding of what a blessing is. He has to change your view of what it looks like to be blessed by God. Some of God's greatest blessings, let me say it another way, some of God's greatest promises of pleasure come gift-wrapped in a, in a season of suffering and pain. That's the truth. Some of God's greatest blessings in your life, He's going to carry you through a season of suffering before you get that blessing, and it'll start during the suffering and come to fruition through the suffering and then even after the suffering. You know this, my family had a season like that. It's called cancer. You know, we're still in it to a degree, although I praise God for where He's brought us out of it. But we learned something going through cancer. We learn you keep believing God. You keep trusting God. You keep blessing God. And He'll bless you. That's what Psalm 134 is saying. It's saying you bless God in His house. You bless God in service and in the night season. You bless God by lifting your hands in His house. And then it concludes with the Lord will bless you. You believe God when you're hurting. You trust God when you're suffering. You bless God on your knees when your heart is broken broken, and you're hurting. And it says, and God will bless you. You might say, well, well what's that all about anyway, John? Let me tell you what it's all about. I'll testify to you if you want me to. He said, God, if you're going to preach on people being blessed while they're suffering, you're going to need to suffer. 
for the sick. You're going to need to hurt. You're going to need to have some pain. If you're going to be able to preach from the, from the Word of God with authority, thus says the Lord, He will bless you even though you're hurting. You're going to need to hurt. And you're going to need to be able to get on your knees and bless God when you're hurting so you can get up from those knees one day and say, Yes, God did bless me even while I was suffering. And I want you to know something. I've been in the valley now for a couple of years. I, I walked down, down the hill, down into the valley. I'm not asking for pity. I'm not asking for emotion. I'm just telling you. I walked down into the valley, down in that place where you have all the questions. What if and why and how? All the questions about what's going on in your life. I was down there in the bottom of the valley, me and my little wife together, down in there, her more than me, down in the valley. And in that valley, we declared we're going to keep blessing God, we're going to keep praising God. And I'm going to tell you what I learned in the valley when I was down there. God's in the valley. God's down in the depths of despair and hurt and suffering. God's in the valley. It's there. And so when God sends heaven down to His house, you don't have to watch the clock and see what time it is and how much longer we got before this feller is going to shut up. Because when your spirits in heaven come down and it's into His house, what's going on in His house is all about God. The Lord blesses those who bless Him. That's what Psalm 134 is saying. It's saying you decide in your heart when you come to church, you're going to declare how much you love Him, how thankful you are to Him. You're going to say to Him, Lord, You are worthy. You know He's worthy. And He's going to bless you because you blessed Him. He knows your need. You know that? You know He's worthy. He knows your need. And so you're going to get on your knees and bless Him and declare how worthy He is. And in response, He's going to bless you. Because He knows how much you need His blessing. So I'm going to say to you, please don't come to this church and miss your blessing. Please don't come here just expecting to get something but not ready to give something. I'm not talking about our church either. I'm not asking you to give something to our church. I'm talking about to God. Don't come here expecting God to give you something when you haven't come here expecting to bless God. Your mind needs to, to switch now. It needs to change. I need to stop thinking I'm coming to church hoping God will bless me and start thinking I'm coming to church because I'm desiring to bless God. I'm going to that place this morning. I want to tell God how good He's been, how great He is. I want to declare His glory. I want to lift up His name. I want to praise His name because my God is so good. And when that happens, God then will begin to bless you. A lot of people are in our churches today and in our country saying, Why? Why has God not blessed me here? You fill in the blank. Why has not why has God not blessed me here? I'm, I'm sure you probably already filled in the blank. I didn't even have to ask you. You already filled it in. You already know what that is. Where is it that you've been waiting for God to bless you and it hasn't happened yet? 
What you want God to do in this blessing you have in your mind is a righteous thing. It is a good thing. It is a godly thing. God, why wouldn't you go ahead and bless me here? I've prayed about it. Your Bible talks about how righteous it is. So, Lord, what's going on here? Why haven't I experienced this blessing yet in, in this place? Don't you know yet that God's blessing might not look like what you think? And God's blessing might not come when you want. But more importantly, don't you know yet? God's blessing may not come till you learn how to bless Him. If you don't know how to bless Him yet, you're just a beggar. The thing that's keeping you from getting God's blessing, maybe, He's waiting for you to learn how to bless Him. There was this mom that would take her son to the, to the store so often. This was back years ago in the olden days, in the old-timey store, if you know what I mean. And there was an old man that owned the store there. And every time she would bring her little son into the store, the old man would say to the little boy, he'd say, son, stick your hand in that jar of candy and get you a big old handful of candy. And the boy would just kind of shake his head. He wouldn't say anything. He'd just shake his head. And the, the old man that owned the store would look at the mom and say, can he have a handful of candy? And the mom would say, you know he can. The old man said, son, put your hand in there and get you a big old handful of candy. The boy never would do it. And finally, the old man would stick his hand in there and get a handful of candy and put it in his mom's bag. The boy would eat the candy all the way home. It was better hurt. Sometimes there would be so much candy, the boy would have to, his mom would have to stop him and say, you can't eat no more that night. You have to save something for tomorrow. And one day on the way home, the mom was tired of it. She's tired of this ordeal. She says, son, why do you always make us go through that routine every time we go to that guy's store? Why do you make us go back and forth? He says to get your candy, and you won't get it. And you find a way, but he puts his hand in there and, and gives you the candy. Why do you keep doing that? The boy says, mom, you don't understand. His hand you had your hands in God's blessing trying to make Him bless you the way you want Him to bless you. Trying to orchestrate the blessing that God has for you. The only thing your hand is supposed to be involved in is blessing God. Not in the blessing you get. And let me say to you that if you've got your hands in the blessing you get from God, you're messing it up. It's nowhere near as big. It's nowhere near as good because His hands are bigger than your hand. You can get your hands involved in God's blessing if you want to, but all you're going to get is an earthly kind of blessing. Something that looks good on Facebook or something that looks good when you tell the story. But if you want God's kind of blessing, a blessing where it comes down from heaven, where Jesus sits on the throne, you better keep your hands out of it. Let God do what He does when He wants to do it, how He wants to do it, 
and let him describe and fulfill what his blessing is. Because verse 3 says it's a personal blessing to you. And I don't know about you, but in the first of this, we were talking about getting down on your knees in submission to God. If you're going to surrender to God and say, God, I surrender all, I bless you, then you better be willing at the end of it to say, God, I surrender all. You bless me how you want to bless me, when you want to bless me, the way you want to bless me. And I promise you this, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ for 20-something years, God's blessing is better than what you can make it to be. It's way better. You stay out of it. Get your hands out of it and let God do what God's so good at doing. Look, this is on his resume. If you look up the resume of God, it'll have creator, it'll have glorious, it'll have merciful, it'll have God who gives grace abundantly. But somewhere on that resume of God, it's going to say, the one who knows how to bless. He knows how to bless. It's what He does. You stoop down on your knees to say, Blessed be the Lord. He stoops down from heaven to bless you because you're so mean. It's what He does. Let Him do what He does. And you start coming to church to bless Him. We bless you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you bless the Lord? That's the invitation. Begin to declare how good He is, how great He is, how faithful He's been, how kind He's been, how glorious He is. Tell Him you love Him. Have you done that in a while? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Tell Him. I love you, Lord. You tell Him. You've been coming to church waiting for Him to tell you how much He loves you and convince you of His love, you tell Him today, I love you, Lord. I love you so much, Lord. You've been so good. You've been so faithful. I love you, Lord. You tell Him. Let this become a part of your vernacular. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Would you, in your mind's eye, I'm going to give you permission if you want to. You can get down on your knees here in this church. We're not going to condemn you for it. We're not going to thank you. love you. If you want to physically get down on your knees, you can. If you want to just say, Lord, I surrender everything to you in blessing you, I give you everything, Lord. I give you my life. I give you who I am. I give you who I'm not. I give you everything, Lord. I surrender to you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Lord, help us as a church become a church that knows how to bless you so that we can get your blessing. Help us become a church, Lord, that comes here to bless you, to glorify you, so we can experience your blessing like never before. Lord, would you move on this church? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?